Will you please pray with me? Good and gracious God, we give thanks for your spirit that shines like the sun and warms our world with the light of love. And we pray that that spirit will warm our hearts so that we may hear your word for us today. Amen. Luke 24, 36 through 48. While they were saying these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were terrified and afraid. <gasps> they thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you startled? Why are doubts arising in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. It's really me. Touch me and see, for a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like you see I have. As he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Because they were wondering and questioning in the midst of their happiness, he said to them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a baked fish. Taking it, he ate it in front of them. Nom 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 nom. Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law from Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of the Lord. So we are in the season of Easter, the season of joy and new life. So the lectionary gives us the joyous story of Jesus being united with his best friends. I've been excited to preach on this text since I first discussed it three years ago with my group of pastors. Or, I mean, maybe I got excited after one of those pastors, Sam Altis, did a great reflection on this text in his podcast, which I mentioned because I want to give Sam credit for a number of the insights I'll share today, and also just encourage you all to check out his podcast. It's called A Better Story, and it has interviews with progressive thinkers and writers, and it's great. So... That said, let's get to the story from the Gospel of Luke that picks up after the women have found the empty tomb on Easter morning, but none of the 12 disciples have actually seen Jesus yet. The disciples hear news that Jesus has been spotted on the road to Emmaus. So they gather together to figure out what to do. When suddenly, Jesus shows up and says to them, Peace be with you. To which the disciples reply, and also with... No, they, they don't. They're terrified and afraid. And, and not just because the passing of the peace has been terrifying introverts for millennia. The disciples are afraid because they think they're seeing a ghost. 
Jesus assures him, them, that he is not a ghost, but this doesn't actually help. Because while ghosts are scary, finding out your best friend just came back from the dead, that's, that's a lot more than just scary. I mean, it's scary, but it's also exciting and confusing and, and overwhelming. The text describes the disciples as feeling joy, doubt, and wonder all in the same moment. And, and of course they are. Of course they're feeling joy at realizing their closest friend and teacher is alive. Of course they're feeling doubt because they're talking to a dead person who's alive? I mean, the best explanation for this is that they're hallucinating. So, of course they're doubting. They're, they're doubting their own sanity. Which is where wonder comes in. Because wonder is that sense when we know down deep that something is true, but we have no idea how. It's, it's the recognition of of deep mystery and deep beauty that's beyond our knowing. And, and the disciples are feeling all these intense, confusing, overwhelming emotions. So they turn to Jesus, waiting and hoping that he'll explain what in the world is going on. I mean, the, the purpose, the, the direction of their life hangs in the balance. So they turn to their teacher. But Jesus does not explain anything. Instead, he asks them a simple question. You all know where I can get a bite to eat? I mean, seriously, Jesus? Your best friends are freaking out. And you think that this is the time to ask about food? I mean, like, the disciples. They are waiting to learn that Jesus saves. But instead, they learn that Jesus snacks. I mean, what is Jesus doing? Why in the world is Jesus talking about food right now? So, I mean, most academics believe that... Uh, or I should say many academics believe that Luke includes Jesus' appetite as a response to critics who said that Jesus was not a resurrected person, but a ghost. And since everyone in the ancient Near East knew that ghosts don't get the munchies, this proved Jesus wasn't a ghost. And that, that makes sense. But there's also something happening in this story that's much deeper, that gives voice to the realities of our spiritual lives. In this story, Jesus sees that the disciples are filled with the powerful, confusing emotions of joy, doubt, and wonder. And Jesus, Jesus honors those emotions by not explaining away their feelings. Instead, Jesus helps them process through their emotions by asking them to do a simple, loving act of providing a hungry person with food. Jesus invites them to, to get out of their head and back in their bodies. Instead of 
trying to understand it all, Jesus shows them how to simply be in the reality of the moment. And, and this is where our story provides beautiful insight into our lives today. Because our spiritual lives, they're an ever-changing mix of overlapping emotions and experiences. One moment we're filled with gratitude and loving connection towards God and others. Then a moment later we feel anger or we feel doubt that God is real or we feel nothing at all. And somehow all those emotions and experiences overlap with one another. And, and meanwhile, Western Christianity tends to tell us that we should be able to make sense out of this. Faith is presented to us as a set of principles and ideas that we adhere to. So when we're confused or overwhelmed, we feel like we should be able to to reason our way to an explanation. But the things that we feel and experience in our spiritual lives, they cannot be categorized, analyzed, and neatly explained. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, when the disciples go to the tomb, and the Bible says they, they see and believe, that's like John 20, it's not saying they they see and arrive at intellectual certainty regarding the truth of particular events and ideas. No, that's, that's not what that phrase means. It's more like they see and respond with love. Because our, our, our English word believe, that, that comes from the Latin root and the German root words for love. The word believe actually shares the same roots as our word beloved. They are, if you go back, they're connected. And even the Latin term for belief, credo, it, it simply means I give my heart to. So as, as Marcus Borg puts it, most simply, to believe means to love. And that's what I see in the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, that faith or belief is less a set of ideas that we agree with and more like a way of being in the world, a, a way of love. So when the disciples are confused and overwhelmed and full of doubt, Jesus invites them to do a simple act of love. And that's where it comes back to us. When our emotions and doubts and questions swirl, Jesus invites us to, to process those sacred emotions with simple acts of love. For example, when we have those days when our doubts get scary. Maybe we, we deconstruct some previously held belief and all of a sudden just, just the dominoes are falling. Or, I don't know, maybe we just feel spiritually dry and disconnected from God. Whatever the emotion or experience is that, that unmoors us 
in that moment, I don't see Jesus calling us to analyze our way through or make sure we have a theological explanation for exactly what we are experiencing. No, I see Jesus inviting us to process through our our doubts with love. See what happens to our doubts when we model our lives after Jesus' way of love. See what happens to our lives when we turn the other cheek and respond to hurtful words with grace and kindness. When we give our time and energy to helping the stranger. When we love our neighbor by by literally loving our neighbor, by getting to know them, looking for ways to support and encourage them. When the disciples are overwhelmed with emotion, Jesus offers them a path to love others. And Jesus offers us that same path. And this is not some, some I don't know, challenging and possibly impossible quest for this spiritual superstar. Jesus, Jesus is not making a huge ask here. Jesus asked for a snack. The disciples gave him fish. These guys are professional fishermen. Giving fish was just about the easiest thing they could do. But it was also a way to care for someone they loved. A way to remind them that amidst their joy and doubt and wonder, there was a simple opportunity to do something loving. So, so when we get those, those big feels the disciples get, or, or when we lack much feeling at all, remember, we, we don't need to explain it all away. We don't need to find all the answers. Perhaps we, we simply need a snack. Or we need to give one to someone else. We need to drop down out of our heads and into our bodies because that's where we'll find Jesus. He's incarnation after all. Jesus has always been found in a body, in physical reality, in concrete love. And I bet that's where we'll find Jesus today. Amen.